3: Hey, Chargers fans! Welcome into another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven, I am your host,
1: and joining me as always are Jason and Alex. Jason, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. I'm getting a little bored here, though, in Texas quarantining. But you know what? It's not too bad. Yeah, quarantine
3: life has been uh, long up and down in terms of boring. Definitely super boring. With no long, end way in sight. Than it should be. <laughs> yeah, uh, Alex, how are you doing today?
2: Uh, I'm doing pretty, pretty good.
1: Cool nice, story, man. Let's point.
3: go. <laughs> <laughs> so as always, we have a fun episode planned for you guys today. Um, we're going to start with the stupidity that is Madden rankings because everybody is talking about it. I don't play the game. I haven't played Madden since I was in high school, so I'll let you guys do most of the talking here. Uh, but can either of you explain to me how Rob Gronkowski is a 95 rating in Madden when he didn't play football last year.
1: And the year before that, he only racked up 700 yards receiving. I would tell you, but I would be kind of throwing shade at somebody I, I respect a lot. So I won't, <laughs> um, but there is a pretty good explanation for it. Um, one, he has a year of rest and when Gronk is healthy, he's a freaking animal. So I can kind of cut it some slack. But a 95 coming off of a retired year when before he retired, he didn't look particularly great. He still looked solid uh, 100%, but he wasn't yeah. the dominant 95 overall type. Um, but the one of the ratings guys is a Patriots fan. So that – probably doesn't he's pretty unbiased so it's probably not the case but it's just i don't agree with it but i don't agree with a lot of the ratings so it's whatever
2: yeah, yeah they certainly fun to oh. go ahead alex oh, i was just gonna say he shouldn't be ranked
1: over Ertz. that's insanity
2: well shut the <laughs> shut the people
1: Ertz has had some issues as hunter henry has had with blocking lately but not to the same degree though not to the same degree but there's some there's some questionable plays up there where Ertz could have potentially gotten Carson Wentz murdered but it's whatever you know (laughs) you I'll let you have it I'd say do you think you know that's off topic never mind
3: all right, well, I think the other kind of uh, rating that surprised a lot of people was to find out that Michael Thomas was the last 99 overall over Julio Jones and DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Jason is not the biggest Michael Thomas fan, but Alex, I I'll start him. with you. <laughs> Alex, what did you make of the Michael Thomas rating at, at overall 99?
2: Um... I don't necessarily disagree that you could theoretically put him at 99, but if you're going to put him at 99, there's a lot of other guys you have to put at 99. Um, right. Right. Like, yeah, DeAndre Hopkins, if Michael Thomas is at 99, DeAndre Hopkins should be a 99. Like, you know, so that's kind of the thing. Um, yeah, and there's, there's other receivers that kind of fit into that too. Um, I get why they did it, but I, I
1: disagree with it. Horse crap. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> if personality was part of our Madden rating, he, it would have bounced out to 50 something overall. Um, <laughs> Michael Thomas. Uh, personality aside. Okay. Um, and this is all shade, by the way. And if Michael Thomas, if anybody wants to tattle on me, I will welcome it because Michael Thomas, I don't like you. Just, I don't. I don't like him. And it is just a certain point where a player is just constantly complaining where I'm just like, ugh, ugh. But personality aside, like I said, let's pretend I'm friends with Michael Thomas. Um, when you put a player at 99 overall, what you're doing is you're setting the bar. You're you're setting the bar, the standard of what the best receiver in the nfl is not just the best receiver in the nfl you're saying that this receiver is as good as he could possibly be and you are setting the ceiling for all other receivers with that receiver the problem is is that one he's not the best receiver in the nfl two there's a lot of things he can't do as a receiver and three which is a repeat of one he is not the best receiver in the nfl um you have julio jones who does a number of things better than michael thomas he does the things that michael thomas is best at better than michael thomas and the only difference is is that the ball does not only go to julio jones and the falcons offense they have more guys whereas michael thomas like with drew Brees, and Teddy Bridgewater, it was like slant, 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 just force-feeding this dude. And when you when you give somebody a 99 overall, you expect them to be the best receiver in every way. You know, short routes, medium routes, deep routes, release, catch in traffic, spectacular catches, and other rating in Madden, which is questionable, but whatever. Um, you expect every level of his game to be top-notch, the bar. Whereas, does he have the best release in the NFL? No. I would say DeAndre Hopkins has the best release in the NFL. Does he have the best route running in the NFL? No. I'd say it's a toss-up between Devontae Adams and Keenan Allen. Does he have the best – is he the best deep route runner in the NFL? No. It's Julio Jones. Uh, Does he catch the ball in 50-50 situations better? No. There's like three receivers that do that better than him. Mike Williams does that better than him. So it's like what does he do that is so elite? He gets thrown the ball. Right? And even when you when you watch these plays, it's like, yes, he's a very talented receiver, I'm not taking that away from him. But I wouldn't I would say he's top ten. Maybe. I don't even think he's top five. And a lot of people take problem like have a problem with that because he does have those numbers there's been a lot of bad players out there that have had good numbers before, right? And if those same people are willing to say that Cam Newton was never a good quarterback, well, okay. Yeah, the overall 99, like you
3: mentioned to me, when you put someone in 99, it's like they have no faults. They're essentially the perfect player. And that's never been Michael Thomas. I think he puts up big numbers because he excels at what Drew Brees excels at. Like, it's a good union between the two of them whereas julio jones not only is he a physical freak he's fast he's tall he's lanky he has a great vertical jump and he runs every single route in the route tree and he does it very well so to me if you're going to put a 99 on a receiver it should have been julio jones like i said i don't play madden a whole lot but uh if you're putting
1: a 99 on someone it's because they're essentially the uh, perfect player if you i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of go with how daniel jeremiah said this with derwin james if you had a league wide draft on wide receivers who would be the first receiver taken probably julio jones or deandre hopkins right what who how many do you think would take michael thomas first how many teams do you think would take michael thomas as the first other than the saints i would say probably five maybe like four to six and then i I think the rest would be a toss-up between hopkins and julio and maybe tyreek hill yeah i was gonna say tyreek hill probably gets a few votes as well but De- michael thomas would probably be third in the order for sure i think tyreek hill has more of a like more of a chance of being a 99 i think he has a better argument than thomas does because he is at least elite in one category that Madden ranks and that's speed yeah and that speed kills games like it kills defenses wrecks game plans Thomas, I don't know, man. Maybe, maybe it's just because I don't like him. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't like it. I don't like the rating.
2: I was gonna say just like a a couple things, but yeah. First of all, let's have Taysom Hill throw to Michael Thomas in 2021 and see if Michael Thomas is still a 99. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But other than that, yeah, I would probably rank Julio, Tyreek, and Hopkins over thomas i think the thing that madden does that i don't really like is that they really value like st- stat accumulation um and this is kind of shown with like joey bosa's rating because like joey is a 91 and i think he's better than some of the guys that are above him in his position like i don't know i mean i would put personally put joey bosa over like cam jordan
3: right
2: like but you know uh, both Especially of the, in Madden, right. where
3: it's like
1: mostly physical yeah, attributes. Yeah, it's a lot of like power, speed, and like you got to take know, into account winning playoff teams. Madden really builds those. Yeah, up.
2: that too. But it's just like if we're talking just these individual guys, it's like you know shouldn't that kind of not matter? Like I mean, the individual, like the whole point of overall is like right. We're just saying like who who is the best at their. Uh, respective position like well
1: the reason i bring up like winning and playoff teams and stuff like that is shaquille barrett the sack leader last year who was on an absolute tear. i think he had like 10 mm-hmm. sacks in six games or yeah. something ridiculous yeah um he's like a 79 or an 80 isn't he something like that so it's like i don't know i don't they they really overvalue the whole playoff thing and right. like Another one is Mike Williams. Mike Williams did not go up I think he went up one overall from all the way back to his rookie season, I think. I think his rookie season he was like a seventy nine overall, and then the next year he was already an eighty one and now he's an eighty two or something like that. It's like mm. it's a weird progression there.
3: Yeah. Yeah. The the rookies seemed like most of them were around like the mid seventies, so I can understand that. Um, Joey Bosa, definitely 91, I don't understand. Keenan Allen at 91, I can kind of get behind. You know, I I disagree with the receivers who were listed ahead of him. Yeah. Um, But what did you guys make of, of more of the Chargers' Madden rankings? You know, perhaps someone that was... Uh, too vastly underrated and someone that was a little maybe overrated.
2: I thought, uh, Michael Badgley, (laughs) having (laughs) having the 82 acceleration over his 78 kicking (laughs) was pretty funny. funny. Um, So funny. funny. yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. Um, there are some interesting ones. Uh, Derwin James is an 89, but I I guess I get that because he was hurt last year. But, like, if he was healthy last year, I think he would be well over that. Um... Uh, I, I really get all of the Chargers ratings other than, uh, other than, um, Joey Bosa and Keenan. I think they should both be higher. Um, but other than those two, I guess I'm pretty okay with the ratings. What was Tyrod's rating?
1: Oh, his rating is still like a 68 or something like that.
2: 69. They doing, they doing my man's dirty out here.
3: Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah.
2: How is Tyrod below Herbert? <laughs> yeah
3: what is herbert at herbert's
2: a 70 and tyrod's a 69 (laughs) oh
3: man this game is broken
2: um it is but yeah i don't know i we we yeah we just mentioned kind of men values a lot of stats like was the team you know uh like personal stat accumulation was the team good last year and that kind of where is like where all the ratings fall into place like if if the Chargers were like the same team, but they went eight and eight instead of five and eleven, like Joey Bosa would probably be like a ninety five. <laughs> like, that's probably like kind of what the situation is, is just like Yeah, I just don't like quantifying team results into the whole like individual thing. But yeah, I mean the the game is what it is. I think generally speaking the ratings are okay. But yeah, it's just like there's there's some things like um the quarterback rankings were weird, um, and yeah, receiver rankings were, uh, and the tight end rankings were just like, yeah, what did you guys just
3: throw together? But um, well, I saw that Greg Olsen was like top was like number five, yeah. and number six in tight end rankings. Greg too.
2: Olson is like a year away from being a CBS analyst. <laughs> and he's out here in like the top five or top six tight ends or something. I was like, what are you guys doing? Uh, it's like the equivalent of
1: putting Jason Witten up there. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I also thought it was funny, like where they put Drew Brees and Tom Brady. And it's like, you guys are making these players in Madden who are better versions of what they are in actual real life football. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Like Drew Brees, the whole reason for Michael Thomas's big season is that Drew Brees can't throw the ball far anymore. So it's just throwing slants over and over again. And so, Teddy Bridgewater, when Teddy Bridgewater came in, it actually made Michael Thomas a bit better, I thought because it opened up Michael Thomas's ability a bit. Whereas with Drew Brees, Michael Thomas is pretty limited to the underneath routes. So that was me giving Michael Thomas praise, unfortunately, but (laughs) like just some of the rate. So Michael Badgley was one that annoyed me. Ty long is still like a 63 or something like that. He's still so bad. Um, He needs some love as well, because what he did this season was nothing short of amazing. So, Right. And then there were just a, there's a couple that bothered me. The Herbert being over Terod Taylor, but bothered me a bit, but I guess that seems to be us thinking that's wrong. Whereas, you know, our guy Marcus Whitman came in here and said this basically the same thing that, you know, Herbert should be the day one guy and that the quarterback room is the worst in the league. So we're obviously blind and <laughs> everybody else is on the right page and we're not, but just some of the receivers ranked above Keenan Allen bothered me. And then, um, I think the offensive line is actually a little wonky. So for the one part, I think Brian Bul- Bulaga, Beluga. <laughs> Come on, Colin Cowherd. Um, Ryan Brian. Wow, Brian Bulaga. Struggling. There you go. Being an eighty-eight is a little high. I like Bulaga. That's what I was thinking too, but. I think he should be around like 84 85 because he's kind of heading towards the, the, the downslope of his career. So 88 is a little surprising, but obviously he hasn't played it down for the chargers. Maybe he's worthy of being like a 90 something next year. Then you've got, um, Dan Feeney is still like a 68 or a 67. So that's pretty dirty. I don't think that's warranted at all. um, and then Scott has Scott squat. The return of squat. Squat, let's go. Um, he's still like a 66. So that sucks as well. Um, he might actually be lower. He might actually be like a 61. Trent Scott is a 57, I think. Oh my gosh. Uh so so it's a little rough and then Trey Pipkins I think is like a 62. So I think the line is a little wonky. I think those ratings are very lopsided. Uh, what was Pouncy? I think Pouncy's like a 77, 78. He's 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 pretty he's like above average. He's not bad at all in the in the Madden ratings. But Chargers online is a little bit rough, in, in, according to Madden. But I don't think that's going to be the case. I think Dan Feeney is a lot better than people view him, and I also think that Trey Pipkins is going to open some eyes. And no way is squat Cressenberry a freaking sixty-one overall or something like that. Bull.
2: Um. I, I think that putting Brady and Breeze in their current forms uh, over Rogers uh, should be a crime. Bull rap. It, it's right. a crime punishable by death. Um, punishable by death. <laughs> I don't believe in the death, death. penalty, but in this instance. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I don't know, man. That's just crazy to me. And they, they put Dak over Wentz, and I don't want to get into that whole thing again because Dak is banned from the show. But. Um. yeah I don't know there's just a lot of wonky ratings and it's I don't know uh, but yeah we've kind of gone into it pretty in depth I feel but uh, yeah I'm just kind of looking through now to see if there's any ratings
1: that really stick out I think like, Carson Wentz is like me. an 82 isn't he
2: Their Dak, Dak and him are both an 84 but they put Dak over Wentz for some reason
1: because <laughs> Cowboys fans
3: yeah yeah So, you know, I'm going to end this by asking you guys, are you going to be
1: purchasing the new year of my can't, (laughs) I'm going to be gone. long gone. But, um, I don't know. I feel like I have an advantage here because in six months I'll just be able to ask people like, is it any good? And then when everybody tells me, no, I'll be like, all right, I'm not getting it. Or, you know, by then it'll probably be like 15 bucks on sale anyway. So maybe I will.
2: Yeah, I mean I usually get Madden when it's like 20 30 bucks like like they usually like by Christmas it's like kind of pretty cheap. Um I think the last Madden I bought was Madden 19. There it is. What? <laughs> what? 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 Oh, what? Come on. Uh come on. Yeah. Uh yeah, but last Madden I bought was uh yeah, Madden 19, the one that had Antonio Brown on the cover um <laughs> oh wow yeah
1: that's a what is it what is antonio journey
2: yeah what is antonio brown's rating in this game i'm just curious i think it's still like a 93 is he is he even graded oh my gosh
1: oh i don't think he's actually rated in this game i know at the end yeah. of last season he was like a 93
2: yeah but... he's not rated at all wow that's surprising. Oh. Wow. um yeah i guess maybe they're just counting on him not playing in the nfl this year
1: i'm sure he'll be on some it's some aspect on the rosters, like in the free agency list, uh, Probably. some way because like Josh Gordon was for forever.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't know if they wanted. I don't know if they'll do that though, because they kind of like Baden got that way with uh, who was it? Uh, Kaepernick. Granted, Kaepernick was a different situation because the lawsuits and everything. But um, I wonder if they feel if the NFL feels a certain way about it. A B though now, was in and...
1: the game for like a solid two years after that whole thing.
2: Yeah. But, yeah, but then then it, they took him sense. out, and yeah. they took, like... And they censored a, me- <laughs> a mention of Colin Kaepernick in a song. Yeah, it's just weird. But, um... Uh... There, yeah, there's no other guys that I think are crazy, like... Um... Crazy underrated, crazy overrated. Um... Uh, yeah, no, that's about it. Cam Newton being a 78 is a bit... Um... Okay. Even, even though I'm not the biggest cam guy this year because i still think that shoulder questionable and some other things but cam being a 78 i think is a little low dude
1: the patriots um, would go to the super bowl with a 68 quarterback so yeah they,
2: they <laughs> could go to a, they should bring ryan mallet back and try to go to the super Bowl. they did go that.
1: to a super bowl or they did go to a super bowl two years ago with a 68 overall quarterback yeah yeah um nah it was is last year they made a deep playoff run with a 68 overall quarterback and tom brady
2: yeah, I'm still mad that sixty eight overall quarterback stole an MVP from Wentz, but that's a topic from another day.
1: Hey, the <laughs> the twenty eighteen divisional playoffs, neither quarterback is on the team anymore. Tom Brady and Philip Rivers, they're both gone. Oh yeah. Whereas that, that's funny that's two years too late because I feel like if that was the case now, they probably would have won and been to the Super Bowl, but nobody's ready for that conversation. Or maybe people are. I don't know. I'm seeing a lot of Tyrod Taylor love. So, Yeah,
3: hopefully my guy Tyrod can get some, get some Madden love and maybe get up into the 70s. That would be nice. Uh, so let's shift to this. Training camp is officially happening. Rookies are supposed to report on Tuesday, so this will be coming out the same day that rookies are supposed to report. Um, but all the big-time players today were all tweeting that the NFL – has not done a good enough job of informing them of, of the kind of protocols that are going to be going on amid the coronavirus pandemic. Um, what, do you, what did you guys make of all the, the, the tweets from the players today?
1: You know what I feel like? So I have a friend that proposed to his now-fiancé before COVID hit, and they were planning on having their wedding wedding like in the middle of where COVID was now. So I think they were going to have it in like April or May or something like that, um, which was like the height of COVID, like the whole quarantine phase. Um, and I feel like what the NFL has done is the equivalent to if he got a call and she's like, where are you at? And she's standing at the altar in the middle of coronavirus <laughs> season. Um, like the wedding is still on. And um, I feel like that's what the NFL just did. They're just, like, texted all the players and, like, hey, where you at, guys? Uh, Yeah. So I don't know. Like, apparently they don't even have a plan. They just want them to show up, which is, like, the worst idea ever, maybe. Uh, Because at that point, it's going to just fluff up the NFL season in so many ways. It's going to mess up these guys' contracts. It's going to mess up their pay. It's going to mess up um, these team strategies. It's going to make football season very unenjoyable. And it's going to be very confusing for not only the players, but for the fans. And when the fans are confused, you're not going to have a good year in the whole income category. So I feel like this is not smart on any level by the NFL. I can't remember the last thing that was done smart by the NFL, but it's just like the only news we've gotten is like the the. Face guards, right? The little, little yeah, the
3: Oakley face guards. Yeah, and
1: that's like I don't even think the NFL has really like talked about that. It's just been teams talking about that, right? So it's it's kind of confusing. Like nobody knows what the NFL is planning. Nobody knows what they want. Um, all they know is that NFL training camp is starting in like two days, three days now. And is that it's when it, ten? Oh, I thought it was less than that. I thought well, um, I well, think the, rookies the rookies, rookies show report up in two days, and then
2: full training camp starts the twenty eighth.
1: Got you. So the rookie showing up is going to be much easier. Like it's going to be kind of chill for a second. Like, I don't think it's going to be a whole big deal because that's your star players are not getting sick is the thing. Um, It's going to be, it almost feels like they're testing the rookies. Like this is a little experiment. Like how many of you guys are going to get sick? And I would hate to, I hate to put that out there because that would be a very messed up thing to do. But, but that's really what it seems like, because they've had all this time to prepare and make plans, and,
3: and even the NCAA has come out and like made all these preparations for a potential season, and the NFL's just been kind of sitting on their hands doing nothing. Right. Um, Alex, what did you make of the tweets? Um, I think what I make of the tweets is that,
2: listen, when it comes to Roger Goodell, I, I don't actually bash on him that much, right? Because I think Roger Goodell is pretty much a pawn of the owner's. And he's just whatever Jerry and Robert Kraft want. Um and he's a meat he's a meat shield for them.
1: But I like that you said Jerry and Robert Kraft like they're married. Like they make the decisions <laughs> in this relationship. Yeah.
2: Um <laughs> I mean that's kind of what they are in the NFL. They're they're the most powerful owners. They they pretty much control everything. They I attain mean, their, their the...
1: power through marriage, apparently.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um I don't know. I just think it's so silly at this point that The NHL, the MLB, and the NBA have all made the NFL look stupid. (laughs) Like, the NHL was just like, fuck it, we're going to Canada, um, where people aren't being dumb over there. Um, The NBA was like, alright, we're going to do this bubble thing and have daily testing uh, for these players and get that infrastructure ready. The MLB is doing that uh, daily test thing, too, and it's just like the NFL is just like, well, you know, maybe we'll have a test once in a while. It's like, (laughs) you know, I I just don't know how you don't have this figured out. You guys had the most time out of anyone to figure this out, and you haven't. (laughs) It's like, you know, some kid who has had, like, three months to work on a project, and they just didn't start.
1: Um, Actually, tomorrow they'll bring it out before the rookies show up, and they'll bring out what their plans are. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and it's just, like, I, I think, like, the NFL, and I, I think about, mostly just because I think the owners are very out of touch, um, particular in particularly in that league, where it's just, like, maybe, like, Jerry and all these owners thought, like, oh, well, you know, it's April, and, you know, three months from now, coronavirus will be done, and then we'll start the football season, right? Like, I legitimately think that that's what these people thought. Was gonna happen. So it seems
3: like, for a while.
2: Um, and now it's July, and oh well, uh, every state other than New York, New Jersey, uh, and a couple others are huge coronavirus hotspots. Uh, so you know, and it's increasing in every state except like New York and New Jersey because they were ravaged by it earlier. Um, so it's just like it—it uh, it just frustrates me because the, the players are totally right. Like it, it's you know there has to be some. Accountability. There has to be some testing procedures for the league. At the very least, that like there has to be some infrastructure in place where it's like we're getting these guys tested every you know once a day. Like there has to be some infrastructure about that because if you don't have that, then it's like you can't functionally do this, right? Um, the NFL did release the first batch of test results, which was like two percent of the league had tested positive for COVID, which is actually a good number um you know that's not like too many people that's that's a two percent of you know thousands of players that's actually not that bad and staff um, right
1: it was players and staff i or think Or was so. it just players i think it was staff too
2: yeah i think it was both um but yeah yeah either way like that two percent number isn't bad but it's like you have to keep testing and testing again to like really to be able to functionally have a season right like and if they're not able to do that, then you can't guarantee any of these players' health. Like, if you, if it's only a once-a-week test, like, you know, what if, you know, uh, someone tests positive, you know, let's say, is you know, some player, let's, let's take the Chargers, for example, uh, you know, Joey Bosa tests negative at the beginning of the week, but then over the course of the week, he um, becomes positive for it, and, you know, he's, you know, in the locker room talking with all these guys, he's, you know, physical contact with all these guys, and then like oh well five other players now have it like you know that's a situation that can snowball into just like um just a really bad situation so it's just really disappointing for me not to see the NFL take really any initiative um and you know um it, it's it's just really sad and i i still think the season will start but things are getting dicier now and it's like it's 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 now or never on a lot of this stuff where it's just like you have to find the answer or you know this season could very well not happen um so you know they're they're on the clock now
3: yeah it's been tough to watch and i think all the players tweeting hopefully serves as a wake-up call for the league very similar to all the players you know kind of demanding that the nfl speak out against Racism and then eventually Roger Roger Goodell did come out with a statement and a video and stuff like that. So I'm hoping that this has a similar effect and the NFL is like, okay, we need to get our butts in gear. And we need to figure this out because outside of just like the generic, like this is what is going to happen when you come to camp. Like there's been nothing, there's been nothing and no protocols or anything. Like this is the scenario that Alex mentioned where you have a potential outbreak. So you know, the NFL has some has some work to do, but I'm excited that we're eventually going to get some, some Chargers news and some actual football news in the coming weeks, and, you know, the rookies reporting to camp on Tuesday will be nice. Um, you know, I'm excited to see what Kenneth Murray and all these guys look like in, in powder blue. So, you know, it'll be fun. Football is, is approaching, and hopefully it does happen, but we'll see. Uh, so we're going to shift to this for our last segment today. Uh, one of our listeners... Or actually I think it was just on Twitter, one of, our, uh, one of our listeners tweeted at us asking during the Q&A, said that he didn't have a specific question, but he's a newer Chargers fan, and he thought it would be cool to hear us debate on what Chargers have been the best at each position, like Rivers versus Fouts and things like that. So uh, we're going to do the offensive side of things today, and then we'll do the defensive side of things next time. So we'll start with the quarterback position. Um, Phillip Rivers is obviously the number one, uh, quarterback in terms of stats, you know, pretty much across the board, he has more wins, he has more completions, attempts, per, a better completion percentage, more yards, more touchdowns, fewer interceptions than Dan Fouts, which was actually pretty surprising. Um, but can either of you come up for an argument that Dan Fouts was the better Chargers quarterback than Phil Rivers? Um, not really.
2: I mean. You can make the argument that, like, Fouts played in a different era and that kind of stuff, where it was like, um, you know, he, he wasn't airing it out as much as Rivers was, but even if you make that argument, it's like, that makes his interceptions kind of look a lot worse. Um, right. Fouts, to me, is, like, a better version of, like, Joe Namath. Like, <laughs> you're like we if you go back and look at, you know, Joe Namath is obviously, like, very famous... Uh, quarterback, but, like, Joe Namath wasn't very good, um, and I know he's in the Hall of Fame and all that, but he threw more interceptions than he did touchdowns. <laughs> like, you know, there there are just some guys like that, and Fouts isn't that to quite that extent, but I I don't think Fouts has ever been quite as efficient as Rivers was in his prime. Um, I guess if you wanted to make the argument against Rivers, to me, it would really be uh, I, theoretically, you could make a case for, like, breeze maybe, but not even that. Um, I, I think Rivers is pretty... Uh, sta- he's pretty much the best quarterback this franchise has had.
1: Yeah, I feel like the one argument you could make against Rivers is just big situations. And, like, um, later in his career, anyway. In the prime of his career, you know, you had the, the ACL thing, and where he'd rise to the occasion. But I feel like later in his career it was just very apparent that he that the pressure got to him. Um so that would be the only case against, like, in every statistical category. And um, you know, you look at technique, you look at arm talent, you look at how he led a franchise. He beats Fouts in every way. And I'm sure if Rivers did ever did commentating or analysts, uh, he would be ten times better than Fouts too. So, I I don't see <laughs> that would be so much fun. It that would, would be. be so much fun. Um, personality of Philip Rivers is greater than personality of Dan Fouts. So, every way, in every single way, Philip Rivers is better.
2: Yeah, the only thing the the thing about Fouts is like you could be like, oh well, Rivers hasn't showed up in big games. Fouts's playoff record for his career is three and four. So like. It's basically, like, I I think Rivers has won, what, five or six playoff games? Um, Something like that. But it's, yeah, so, yeah, I think he has 11 playoff games, and he's four and six, four and seven, five and six, something. Um, I don't know exactly what the playoff record is. But, um, yeah, I mean, if we want to talk about not coming up in big moments, Fouts wasn't exactly great in big moments either. So, yeah, I think in pretty much every way,
3: like Jason was saying, Rivers is uh, pretty clearly better than Fouts. Yeah, I think this one was was pretty easy in my opinion. And granted, you know, we didn't, we were not around when Dan Fouts was around and and playing in his prime, but, you know, I I think even just by the numbers, Phil Purpose is clearly better. I will say, though, that Stan Humphreys, the quarterback who took the Chargers to the Super Bowl the one year that they made it, Uh, he was actually really good as well. And so he is fourth in terms of yards and touchdowns. And I think that uh, maybe if he, Played a little bit longer for the Chargers, he might be you know, a little bit more up there in terms of overall numbers. The next one is really easy as well, and that's the running back. Um, I feel like we should Jason harmonize to this
1: one, because all of us know who it is. Yeah. Jason and I were talking
3: about this before the show. Uh, I think everybody knows that LaDainian Tomlinson is the best running back in Chargers history, um, but it is a massive, great canyon size gap between him and whoever the second best is, because... As it stands, Paul Lowe, who played from 1960 to 1968, is second all time in rushing yards and touchdowns. And there's almost 8,000 yards different between Ladanian Tomlinson and Paul. Lowe. I think Lowe.
1: you could make a legitimate argument that Ryan Matthews is the second best runner in Chargers history.
2: I I, I think don't you can... blame you at all. I think you can make a legitimate argument that Darren Sproles is the second best runner, in Chargers <laughs> and history. he
1: didn't. He only had, like, I don't even think he had a 1,000 rushing yards with the Chargers.
2: What are the Chargers' rushing rankings exactly? So,
1: so it's, it's LT. LT number one, Paul mm-hmm. Lowe two, Marion
3: Butts three. Uh, Him and Melvin Gordon are actually very close. If Melvin Gordon didn't hold out, he probably would have, you know, beaten him. And then Ryan Matthews five, Natrone Means, Chuck Muncie, Don Woods, Keith Lincoln, and then Dickie Post is number 10. And Dickie Post only played three years for the Chargers. And Keith Lincoln was a fullback. I guess, Technic.
2: I guess maybe you have to say the second would be Gordon. Uh, even then, I'm like, I mean, in terms of stats, I guess he would be the second best, but not, you know, if we're just saying who was the second best runner, I mean, I guess it's <laughs> Ryan Matthews when he was healthy, or it's, I like Darren Sproles a lot, big Darren Sproles guy. Um, I
3: think it was
1: Ryan Matthews, man. So Gordon
3: versus Matthews is interesting because uh, Ryan Matthews had 923 carries for 4,061 yards. And Melvin Gordon had 1,059 carries for 4,240 yards. So Melvin Gordon obviously put up more yards. He put up way more touchdowns. He had 13 more touchdowns than... Ryan Matthews, but Ryan Matthews was far more efficient than Melvin Gordon was.
1: What was the yard per carry difference?
3: Ryan Matthews averaged 4.4 4 yards per attempt and Melvin Gordon was 3 or 4.0. Hmm,
1: That's a very big difference.
3: Philip Rivers is 43rd in rushing yards in Chargers history. <laughs> Yeah, we saw that as well. Um, the other thing, too, is everybody talks about how Ryan Matthews had big-time fumbling problems. He had 15. Um, Elvin Gordon had 14 fumbles. So that's that's an interesting one. I think discussing who is second and third and fourth is more interesting than discussing who's the best because it's clearly L- it's clearly LT. It depends on and- which
1: year we're talking about, though, because remember Ryan Matthews in 2013 was on fire. Yeah, and was. then Melvin Gordon in 2017, 17. Or 18, 17, 17. He was all he was 17, he it. was really good. So it's like yeah. in comparing those seasons, who do you think had the better season 2013 Ryan Matthews or 2017 Melvin Gordon? I would say 2017 Melvin Gordon,
2: yeah, I'd go yeah, that too. I would
3: as well,
1: because Melvin Gordon in 2017, it's like he
3: went from zero to 60 in terms of his receiving ability, like really, that's what changed for the most for me is that and he was throwing he people really around with stiff
1: arms and he was like spinning yeah. around dudes and he was like put his foot in the dirt and take off so that yeah, raiders
2: that that raiders game that year is still my favorite um Melvin gordon game out of
1: all of them um yeah he was just just a beast that game um i remember when he fumbled into keenan allen's arms and
2: the keenan <laughs> yeah Allen took for a <laughs> yeah um Oh, fun fact! Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy is fortieth in Chargers history in running. <laughs>
3: so funny! It's so funny finding those little. So moves. yeah,
1: it's clear that Ladainian Tomlinson is the number one running back in franchise history. I mean, it's not even close. It's not. It's never going to be close. But Stephen and I were talking before the, we started this recording that by the end of this year, Eckler could be like number twelve. In rushing ever like that's how bad it is um in terms of guys that have yeah. come up so eckler is
3: currently 23rd um he's got 1371 yards uh so if he gets even like 700 yards he'll get up to 12 and then you know if austin eckler plays four more years
1: he could easily pass melvin gordon which is hilarious i think if austin eckler plays four years he'd be number two on the list yeah.
3: That's so funny. Which I'm rooting for. Him. Can you imagine? That's such a cool story. Undrafted free agent to like number two, like second best all time in terms of franchise. In the, the shadow know, of really LT. Awesome. Yeah. Mike Tolbert is 21st on the list. Can we make an
2: argument from Mike Tolbert as the second best back in Chargers of-
1: <laughs> Jacob Hester you know is who else? on there
3: as well. You know who else could climb up the list this year? Is actually Keenan Allen. Oh, Keenan Allen's really close. He's 104th right now with 100 yards rushing, and he could easily get up to, like, number 80 if he gets 70, 80 yards rushing this year.
2: Honestly, if Keenan plays, like, five more years, he could break Gates' record, like, by a lot.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll talk about Keenan Allen and just how far he's come as a receiver, as a franchise guy. Um, Right here, actually, I guess we're kind of Moving into that. Yeah. Yeah, let's move on to
3: that. So we'll discuss receiver. Um, this one is really interesting, you know, because neither none of us have seen Lance Allworth and Charlie joyner play. Um, you know, we've obviously mostly seen Keenan Allen and Vincent Jackson and Malcolm Floyd. The all time best receiver is probably the biggest discussion because there's actually four or five guys that I think you can make an argument for. Um, obviously Lance Allworth right now is the franchise leader in terms of being a wide receiver in yards and touchdowns with 9,584 and 81 touchdowns. Obviously Antonio Gates has more yards and touchdowns, but for purely the wide receivers, Lance Allworth is the best in franchise history. Charlie Joyner was pretty close in yards, 9,203, uh, but he only scored 47 touchdowns. And then Keenan Allen right now is sixth in the franchise history for yards with six thousand four hundred and five and has thirty-four touchdowns. So um I'll let Jason start this one off because I feel like he is has been the you know, Keenan Allen was a huge reason in him becoming a Chargers fan. So is Keenan Allen number one for you, Jason?
1: Not yet. Not yet. I mean, I think he should be, but There's also a lot of, um, there's a lot of career in front of him. Like I'm looking at Lance Alworth right now. He played eight, nine years with the team. It looks like, and Keenan Allen has played. Yeah. Or seven. He's going into seven. And so he's on pace to do a lot more in the same amount of time. Uh, aside from touchdowns is the, is the big thing. Keenan Allen's not really a touchdown guy whereas Lance Alworth more was and so that's going to be the big difference there but Keenan Allen is the kind of receiver where he's going to have another 10 years in front of him maybe like maybe even 12 like he could play for a while and Lance Alworth did not play that long nearly that long also a fun little thing to talk about here is Lance Alworth is his position is listed as FL here I don't know what that means, but I
3: think it means flanker. Oh my god! Okay, because that's what it, that's what the position was called until like
1: 1971. It was just flanker. That's disgusting. So, <laughs> I I mean, I would say it's it's Keenan Allen because if you if you keep going off that consistency, when he gets to the same amount of time as Lance, Lance Alworth, he's going to have way more receptions. He already has uh more receptions than him already. Um five hundred and twenty four for Keenan Allen, four hundred and ninety three for Lance Allworth. And then his yards are gonna be right up there as well. And you know, with Tarod Taylor and Justin Herbert there, they're gonna be relying on that number one receiver a lot more than Phillip Rivers did. So it's gonna be interesting to see how Keenan Allen's stats are affected by that. But I'm gonna say for now it's 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 Lance Allworth, but I don't think it's gonna last much longer. And after shoot after this year Keenan's already going to be over Gary Garrison and another year after that, he's probably going to be up there with Charlie Joyner. So it's, it's not going to take long before Keenan Allen's up there.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. So I I would say Keenan's probably the second best, right? I think Lance Allworth would be first. Um, so if, if I were to make like a four receiver, like group, I guess it would be like Lance Allworth, Keenan Allen, Charlie Joyner, Um, and then you could probably go, like, Vincent Jackson or Malcolm Floyd, I guess would be the next guy, probably Malcolm Floyd, um, just because he was there for longer, but, yeah, I I guess that those would be kind of, like, really, those are really the four or five guys that are, I think, uh, pretty clearly better than everyone else, and then after you, (laughs) after you get after Malcolm Floyd, that's a, it's kind of like the running backs, where it just drops off dramatically after them
1: Really badly, actually. LT and Ronnie Harmon are both receivers, and they're both in the top 13. You've got two tight ends up here in the top 13 as well, in Antonio Gates and Kellen Winslow. So in the top and one is 14, and 14 is also a tight end. And then Dan Norton is an SE. I'm guessing that's a strong end. That's what they use in the fly offense yeah so after you get like
2: really past the five or six receivers so we would t- be talking about keenan um tyro williams is 21st <laughs> oh
3: my gosh, tyro
2: williams might be like the sixth best receiver <laughs> <laughs> um, That's
3: melvin gordon is 29th yeah. oh my I, gosh
2: i think i think really after you get after keenan uh lance allworth charlie joiner floyd and jackson it's really like Dontrell Inman, Eddie Royal,
3: <laughs> Travis Benjamin. <laughs> You're, Tina McCardell, yeah, who played for two years. Uh,
2: you know, um, yeah, there's just a lot of guys that – Stevie Johnson. Um, <laughs> you, you really are kind of reaching at this point. Um, I like but, yeah. Stevie Johnson.
1: Uh, Aside from yeah. that, in, that Achilles tear, he was on a good yeah. run with the Chargers.
2: Um, I just I just googled best receivers Chargers and I'm seeing some cool names. Uh he a tutu Oh uh, man. boy, say <laughs> he had, like
3: one good game. <laughs> it,
2: was, it was a really great game though. Um, it was. It was. Um, I, I guess you could, if you really want to go like the top ten receivers, maybe you could throw a uh, reach Caldwell so, in there.
1: Say he a a zero two two. It has four hundred and sixteen yards and is one hundred and third in franchise history. One spot ahead of Brandon Oliver, who has 409 yards.
3: That is hilarious. Oh, man. So Yeah, if so you... Keenan Allen, I think, will ultimately get up there. Um, Lance Allworth. I will say Lance Allworth doing what he did in the 60s is just flat-out amazing because he averaged 19 yards a catch in the 60s, like when they were doing wing T stuff, and it was called a flanker. So uh, I agree. Keenan Allen, I think he – hopefully the team resigns him and hopefully he gets up there um but i think right now it it definitely should be lance allworth so we'll move on to tight ends and then i think this will be a quick discussion too because really it's antonio gates versus kellen winslow obviously antonio gates is the franchise leader in yards and touchdowns he's arguably one of the best tight ends ever he has the most touchdowns from a tight end played basketball Um, in college yeah, he was an undrafted free agent too. Um, but you know, Kellen Winslow is really one of the first guys. Him and Mike Dicka were guys that were really kind of changed the position and and led the you know the the charge in terms of tight end back then. And then Antonio Gates was actually on Colin Cowherd's show, and he was saying that when he was like in his prime, there were really only like four or five guys. In terms of tight ends that were like elite receivers, and you know, obviously you had Tony Gonzalez and Gronk and and you know, Kellen Winslow Jr. and Jimmy Graham and stuff like that, but now like each team has a good receiving option at tight end, so I think the tight end position has really come a long way in terms of receiving. But really, it's Antonio Gates for me, and I, I don't think it's all that close in terms of best Chargers tight end.
2: Yeah, I got Gates too. Um, Winslow. <laughs> I guess you could make an argument, but he didn't really... He didn't have that longevity. I mean, Gates played, what, 16 years? um, 236 games as a Charger, you know, almost 1,000 receptions, 11,000, 12,000 yards, basically, and 116 TDs. Like, you know, he's the most touchdowns for a tight end ever. Um, And that's probably not going to be broken very soon by anybody. Um, So now, you know... Really, it's funny, after you get to Kellen Winslow, it, Hunter Henry's probably the third best tight end in Chargers history, um, so yeah, it hasn't been a particularly deep um, position either, um, yeah, I'm going through this list, and really by like the 10th tight end, you're getting into tight ends who legitimately just weren't good, um, so it's, um, yeah, Randy McMichael, what
1: a name. I remember him. <laughs> he was in one of the Madden games. Um, so, yeah, it's obviously Antonio Gates, who played basketball in college, by the way. And, you know, Kellen Winslow, he, he has some fun highlights. He has some fun games on there. So, you know, uh, in a franchise, and the reason there's not a lot of depth there in terms of, like, how many guys have done well as a charger at the tight end position and why Hunter Henry is probably third is because when you go from Kellen Winslow to Antonio Gates, that's eating up like 35 years worth of tight ends. So you're not going to have a lot of depth there in terms of guys that have a lot of yards or touchdowns because they just, there was no opportunity to do so. Cause I mean, if you put Ladarius green as the tight end one on the chargers, he's probably up there, but he was tight end two behind Antonio Gates. And so when you, when you look at it like that, it's just there wasn't a lot of opportunity for other tight ends to show what they had, which is, um, is going to be a, kind of the same case for, for Hunter Henry. I mean, Hunter Henry might stay down there on the list, but uh, he's probably the third best, um, depending on if they resign him or not. But, yeah, it's definitely the guy who played basketball in college, Antonio Gates. Yeah, that one was pretty easy as well. The next one, offensive line, um,
3: this one is interesting as well because offensive line is really subjective. Um, you know, there's obviously not stats and things like that. Um, in terms of, like, being in the Hall of Fame and stuff like that, Ron Mix um, probably is has the best resume of the Chargers, but he played offensive line in 1960 to 1969, and he was an offensive tackle, and in today's league, he'd probably be, like, a fullback because he was so much smaller. So obviously then, you know, there's like Marcus McNeil and Chris Dealman and and Nick Hardwick. Um, do any of you guys have a specific offensive lineman that you want to bring up here?
1: I'm gonna go for the one that made the biggest impact on the Chargers, I feel. And that's gonna be Nick Hardwick. And I mean, he's still a very big part of that organization. And, you know, that it was just when you thought of the Chargers O line, when you still when you think of like old school Chargers O-line, it's like he's right at the front there because there's so much respect for him and he was the guy with Rivers all the time and so I'm going to go with the guy that paired up with the best signal caller in franchise history at Philip Rivers and I'm going to go with Nick Hardwick here. Uh
2: I would also go Hardwick. I think he's pretty great. Um I think an underrated one, uh not that he's like the best of all time, but I think Jeremy Clary is a bit underrated. Um he was around for a while, he was around for about seven years, uh, right tackle, and he was kind of in that era of 2007, 2008, kind of those like peak chargers in a way, Um, right, so I feel like he was kind of in that era, and really like after, it was really after he left that it was just like, well, you know, who do we get to play left and right tackle now, and then we like kind of scrambled after that, and you know, the offensive line has kind of been Really a mess since like what I don't know twenty ten, um, yeah. But it's 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 not been great. Um, there's not much you can pick from this decade uh, of Chargers football to be the best. Um, really at anything um, in terms of the offensive
3: line. Uh, yeah, I think the best of this decade, this decade probably would be King Tunlap maybe. Russell. Okung. I don't know. That's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, Russell Kong and his peak was probably the best season of a Charger offensive line of this past decade. But um, to mix it up here, I'm actually going to go with Chris Dealman. Uh, I think Chris Dealman and Nick Hardwick were very similar players in terms of their ability, but Chris Dealman had has a better resume. He was voted to four consecutive Pro Bowls. Um, he was an All-Pro, second-team All-Pro. Nick Hardwick, I think, was obviously the emotional leader of the offensive line and really, you know, matched what Philip Rivers was bringing, like Jason mentioned. But that's an interesting discussion too, because if you look at like the overall skill level of a guy like Ron Mix, you know, he was amazing back then. But today, in today's game, he wouldn't even be playing. Like, you know, he would have to put on 40, 50 pounds and and grow a couple inches. So, I think Ron Mix. His resume is the best of any Chargers offensive lineman, but again, just the skill set from then to now is so different. Um, so, Jason, Alex, any other thoughts before we wrap up today's episode?
1: No, nope, man, that's gonna be it for me. I, it's kind of interesting looking at all these these Chargers that are the best in franchise history because we know most of them, we've watched most of them play, and so it's it's really interesting for me to see like Keenan Allen towards the top. Um, shoot Austin Eckler is going to be pretty close to top 10 by the end of next year. Uh, So it's really interesting to see that we're probably at the height or at the twilight of the highest peak of chargers football. Um, It is yet to be seen based on Herbert and Terod Taylor. So it's going to be interesting to see going into the future here, how these stats work out. Um,
2: Yeah. I'm curious to do the defensive discussion. I guess we'll do that for Friday's episode this week. Um, so I think that'll be kind of a fun discussion. And I think there's a little bit more variability in that one, just because, yeah, yeah with the offense, it's just like, well, Philip Rivers, LTE Gates, and <laughs> then the segment's kind of right. over. Um, so maybe with the defense, we'll have a bit more of like open discussion because there's kind of a lot of guys you could, uh, you could fit into being like the best at each position. And there's also kind of more positions to talk about. Um, so yeah, I think that'll be an interesting discussion. Um, as far as things that I have to say to finish the episode, uh, uh, oh, uh, I did a film study over on Patreon.com, I did a film study on Tara Taylor, it's about 20 minutes long, so if you're interested in checking that out, you can, uh, other than that, check us out on, uh, check us all out on Bullbeat uh, if you're reading, and, uh, yeah, that's about it.
3: Yeah, so the Patreons, uh, we're going to be ramping that up as training camp is now starting, so Alex and I are really going to be able to to focus in on some film studies and things like that. Um, if you want to access Alex's breakdown on Tyrod Taylor, you need to be a Patreon supporter at $3 or higher. Um, that's one of the bigger benefits for being more than $1. Um, we're also doing a giveaway of the new Chargers hoodie, so if you are you know just kind of wanting a, a free shot at a charger study as little as one dollar a month will get you an entry into that giveaway. Do I get to? Uh, so make sure. Do I get to participate? <laughs> I mean, yeah. If you are, if you sign up as a as a patron and and donate us some money, dude. A patron.
1: <laughs>
3: That's what they're called. You sign up for Patreon to be a patron.
1: Wait, Alex. I think how you do mean you say patron. Patron. Patreon. What? How do you say patron, Patreon? Okay. Patreon. Yeah. How do you say oh, Patreon? Pa-
2: oh, Patreon.
1: Oh. Okay, that's no, memory. that was anti Patreon. There we Patreon, go. Patreon, there you go. Patreon. <laughs> Patreon, the way you said it, sounds like a gas company. <laughs> yeah. Uh... So make sure you stay tuned uh, for those.
3: Obviously, follow up for the Patreon account. Make sure that you are keeping an eye out for all of our breakdowns and uh, stay tuned for that giveaway. So that'll do it for this episode. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Antonio Gates played basketball in college.